last time on Dice Funk. But it's not me this time, I, I swear. Uh, uh, the word on the grapevine is someone's not going to go through with the spell. Um, it's basically Wish. And you know you know about Wish, the most powerful spell there is. You can shape reality. But mm. if you wish for too much, it hurts. Dio makes a mental note that it's an uncool god. A, lo- a real loser. <laughs> <laughs> a real nerd. You know that gods get their powers from outside the universe. We, tell, we, we suck on the big straw from the world of forms. I don't know if you're familiar. I am familiar with the word with the world of forms. It's in, it's very interesting to me. I've been learning about it from the people I've been traveling with, a little. Uh, the third yeah. <laughs> the third chromatic orb puts another fissure in your gem, um, and you yeah. point blank this this beast to get it off of you, uh, knocking it down. But um, you start feeling very strange and woozy. Um, yeah, for real. I was very, I was, I was extremely alarmed seeing Ray go down. So I just like. Um, I don't actually think you you have blood to transfuse necessarily, but um. I have displace of police beast blood. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Guess again, Yoski. <laughs> I have so much blood around me right now. Dio goes over to the Displacer Beast and plunges their arm into the Displacer Beast and their arm starts becoming blood. Holy shit. And everyone knows Displacer Beasts are universal donors. Um, so yeah, why don't you roll animal handling with advantage uh, because of the blood transfusion. Uh, you know what, if anything, I think like Walter is like slightly projecting a displaced Walter next to them. I, I don't know that there's any precedent for having Displacer beast blood in you, but I'm, I'm vibing with it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to stop someone like Vimble. He is full of bad ideas. Uh, you push aside a severed elf arm, uh, and you see a notebook, a, a, a journal someone is keeping, and it describes a journey, but there is a passage that grabs your attention, which is in describing the lands to the south of the sea, that they saw, they describe seeing in the distance falling stars. Do they describe the falling stars any more than that? But the journal describes how the Draconic scouting party went to see where the stars fell and found a, a, a landscape littered with gems of different colors. And you know where that is. You have to leave not to the east, with mm-hmm. Pants for Pets LLC, mm-hmm. but to the south, uh, back the way you didn't journey. The image I want to leave you on is you flipping through this journal of this ill-fated expedition and reading about the journey of these dragonborn uh, and, and these draconic emissaries and you know tracing their path along the lands you didn't go. And as, as you're reading... The camera's like zooming into the words, and then it tra- there's a like a fade out and then a fade in mm-hmm. on these adventurers, and we see a gold dragonborn, a a kobold with the coloration of a blue-tongued skink, and we see a bronze dragonborn trekking across the, the land.
Alright, looks good for everybody, then we are good to go. Um, who's horny for this one? <laughs> Just flooding the streets with cum. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're off to a bad start. You, you, you know the, the molasses disaster in Canada that uh, killed just tons of people? Yeah, the Boston molasses d- disaster. I, I've heard of that. Who, who knows? Either way, that's what you should be thinking about. Is that, is, that, is, that your, is, that your, is that your street name, the molasses disaster? Is that what they call you in the streets? That's what they call me now. <laughs> All right. So you're probably wondering whose voices you're hearing. I have a lot of explaining to do, but the podcast <laughs> etiquette demands that we introduce ourselves. I'm Austin Yorsky. You know what the fuck it is. I don't have to tell you. We're going to go around everybody. Uh, why don't you explain who you are? And then we'll talk about what we're doing. Uh, I'll start off. Uh, I am uh, Michael Schicciano, also known as Skitch Schicciano. Uh, I have been uh, involved in Dice Funk off and on for years, what feels like practically a decade at this point, even though time doesn't work that way. Um, I do music, audio stuff. I rant about tabletop related things on the Dice Funk Discord, and I also deal with uploading the videos to the YouTube channel and stuff like that. Uh, you can find me at Skitch Music on Twitter. Hi, I'm Dan. You know what? I'm realizing that I should have called myself the Alabaster Disaster because it was a cum joke. Um, so if we could just go back and make Austin, I don't know how if that's possible for you to edit. But anyway, uh, I'm Dan. I was, I was really looking forward to this being less horny. I, I was, like after I was uh, dragooned into Dice Funk by Quinn. You you opened by asking how horny we were, Dan. Austin. You started this. I, I can promise that I will bring less horny energy. I'm not that kind of person then why are you listening to this show well you get you, i work with the material given to me <laughs> because i like listening to things that are different from me oh wow that's it's incredibly open-minded and thoughtful uh you're not going to fit in here at all <laughs> Dude, congratulations get out <laughs> dan, dan who are you where do i find you uh new jersey and that's about it. You can't find me anywhere. I don't work online. I'm just an IT worker. <laughs> this is bad for our SEO and our fucking stocks and our bonds. Uh, I, I have an Instagram. I don't remember what the ad is. Sometimes I draw like paint little creatures on it. All right. I think Dan's nice. main qualification for being on this call is that you're friends with Quinn. Quinn yeah, recommended well, you. A whipping boy yes. for about a decade is what I would call it. <laughs> Ooh, that's spicy. Um, but remember, I was 16 when she met me. Careful. <laughs> remember, if you fail, uh, that reflects very poorly on them, and uh, I will take it out on Quinn. So this mm-hmm. is a lot of pressure. Yep. That's after what she's done to me, she deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there's a lot of backstory to unfold here. <laughs> she knows what she did on my, I think, 20th birthday. <laughs> okay, um, hi, my name is Sarah. Uh, a lot of people who listen to Dice Funk probably already know me as Cosmignon. I have done a lot of fan art for the show over the years. I think I've been listening to it since 2016, and uh, this is my first time being on the show, which is very exciting. Uh you can find uh, the username Cosmignon on Twitter, uh, Tumblr, uh, on Instagram. It's Cosmignon underscore SD because I, I'm not exactly sure why. And 
I also have a Patreon under the same name where I post my webcomic, Runaway Drakina, a week early. Or you can just read the comic for free at runawaydrakina.com. All those links will be in the episode description, so check them out. Um, but that's, these are all you know new voices if you only listen to the this season that we're on. So what's going on? Why are these people here? How do we get in your house? Um, <laughs> I'm calling the cops. Well, let me tell you, you, you should hide your keys better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you should say that these are all new voices, but one of these voices, that being mine, uh, is not entirely new for people who've been listening to this season. Oh, yeah, you're the last time, and we're about to find out uh, what that character is about, because uh, what we're doing here is a mini campaign inside the main campaign, uh, or you call it like a prequel arc. Uh, I guess I should back up to the beginning, which is uh, for years now, I've been thinking about tinkering with an idea for a season, which is like cops and robbers, like having two parties who are doing quests, but they are at odds with each other mm. and like switching back and forth. But scheduling Dungeons and Dragons is so hard, you guys. It's so difficult <laughs> to get nerds together. It is so hard. It's miserable. I, I, I can barely ever schedule it to happen. Uh, it's And this season is worse than any others. I'm not blaming anyone, obviously. If you follow us on social media, you know, uh, you know, Sophie's had a lot of stuff going on in their personal life. Uh, you know, Sam has this uh, this thing every month where he leaves his work to the last uh, day. <laughs> and then he has these advertisers. You know, he has to do his first video, the, the, the sponsored promotion stuff. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. every last episode of a month this season has been like canceled um from your perspective there's an episode every week uh but that's because i have done frankly an absurd amount of work to make that happen but from my perspective it's just been hellish to get these things done anyway i'm not whining about my stupid podcast job what i'm here to tell you is (laughs) i've wanted to do a multiple perspective thing for a while i was thinking about this season which is structured as big, like a race, a bunch of different teams going, you know, across the land. And it was always uh, possible that we'd switch perspectives. I was thinking, you know, the first research team easily could have slotted in. There could have been a third research team, anything like that. But it felt weird to like assign people my NPCs. <laughs> like that's like a very egotistical, like my characters are so great. You should just play them <laughs> and, and do my vision. Um <laughs> Full, like, full disclosure, I tried to do an episode with Just Sketch where it was like your character and my NPCs doing a thing. And it was fine roleplay, but it didn't have that chaotic, fun energy that I think this show right. uh, is like famous for that the, the fans crave. And so... Yeah, the the interplay wasn't quite the same as having just like other folks to just play off of and interact with and... Yeah, th- th- that that recording is going to be just we're going to burn it, and it's just going to go to the uh, the abyss, and no one's ever going to hear it. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I'm going to demand that you release the the Schicciano cut now. <laughs> Exclusive, rare, lost media dice funk. Yeah, uh, they're going to find that after I die and try to publish it like a Nabokov novel. Poor guy, he was very clear. Don't publish any of my shit you find. You need, you need to do what Terry Pratchett did and have his hard drive run over by a steamroller when he died. <laughs> <laughs> but now everything's in the cloud. Um, someone will be able to find it. Well, ha- have you heard of the Killdozer? 
I, I, as someone who had, I think I, had, I don't know if I, I think I had to do music for a Killdozer review. So, <laughs> oh, I love that about your history. Um, so here's here's the scoop. Uh, if everything turns out well, and once again we're recording like a lot in advance, and like things are in flux. Like I have a scheduled thing to record with Sophie tomorrow. I don't know if it's going to happen because things are always changing. Uh, if everything comes out according to plan, you will just heard of an episode where Dio finds uh, evidence of the adventure we're about to go on, and then this is the flashback to how we got there. Um, so, any questions before we introduce the characters? Any thoughts? I kind of want to remake my character and name him the Alabaster Disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I have a physical book I got. Like it, it, I didn't get it for this, but I've had like a, a Tantone sketchbook lying around that I decided I'd use for my character for this because it would help me maybe get into character a little bit. Because I've, I've only played a couple of long time D&D characters and I thought I'd go a little extra out for something that's going to be recorded and shown in front of many people who I at least kind of know. <laughs> So, once upon a time, there was a terrible apocalyptic disaster that ripped through the Dice Funk world. It destroyed heaven and hell. It rendered uh, much of the known world uninhabitable. Uh, in Season 7, we visit some of that uh, wasteland. Uh, but the story goes, uh, an adventurer named Captain Young activated an ancient pre-apocalyptic weapon, which shot a beam into the sky, cracking it open and revealing a new world. Arabella. Uh, and so there's the tallest mountain in the world is home to some goblins whose uh, druids like raised up the peak to pierce the sky. And some brave explorers undertake a perilous journey to climb the mountain, go up through the crack, and to explore Arabella. Uh, this is the very early days of adventuring. Uh, this takes place before Pants for Pets LLC ever gets there. <laughs> Um, so this, this is a a new party and I want to kind of start at the same place we started them, which is you are summiting this mountain. It is viciously bone bitingly cold. You can, you can barely like see five feet ahead of you because of the snowy wind. Uh, you have a couple of goblin guides with you who are bundled up and, uh, you know, pointing at things occasionally, like watch out for that (laughs) crack there. You'll fall and break yourself to pieces. Uh, hold on to this, uh, don't eat that, and so forth. Uh, what uh, characters are you playing? What are they doing? What are they talking about? This is like the camera slowly uh, zooms in from the fully pulled out. You see Mount Grendel, this this icy, uh, terrible peak. And as it cut, you see uh, your characters trudging through the snow as they, as they near the summit, uh, which pierces the heavens. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, let's see here. All right. So... We'll start with my character, um, who, despite being the bronze uh, member of the team, is in the front because, you know, seniority or other reasons demand that he takes the lead, effectively. He is a bronze dragonborn. He is definitely not super well dressed for the weather. His clothes are fairly light and flowing to allow for high ease of movement. Um and uh, his name is Trayan Drenkesh. He is a monk uh, of the Ascendant Dragon, I believe is the specific name of the subclass. If I keep on, yes, the Ascendant Dragon. 
And yeah, he's just leading things on, trying to see through the snow. Um, his perception is actually fairly good, too. And as he's peering through the snow, Tran just sort of mutters a bit, I hope that wherever we're going is going to be a bit, uh, a bit warmer than this. Uh. So that is Trayan, T-R-E-Y-A-N, the monk. Yes. Uh, what else? Background, uh, alignment, anything else? Uh, he, his, um, his alignment is neutral good. His background is athlete. And we'll ex- we can explore this some more later on. But his main background is back where he grew up. Among the things he did was compete in basically tournaments, like arena fighting for entertainment um, and profit and all that good stuff. Uh, never won any of the tournaments he participated in, however, though. He was still very much into being happy about putting on a show for those who watched, even if he never uh, took home the gold, as it were. Uh, and we are starting at level six, which you'll note is uh, much higher than Panzer Pets started. Uh, and we'll get into why that is momentarily. But uh, who's the next character? I guess if we're going in the metal order, I guess that's um, my character next. I'm playing Gladys Antimony who is a little kobold who in in going with like a silver theme i looked at a couple lizards i'm uh, she is based off uh blue tongued skinks which are these cute little guys with blue tongues and she is a artificer specifically the alchemist subclass so as we're going up this big uh mountain she's got a bunch of tiny little potion bottles dangling off of her belt and she also has like this big scarf wrapped all the way around her face. She tried to dress for the elements at least a little bit. And it's also um, rainbow colored because all of her little potions have different colors based on what uh, magic spell they are. All right. Gladys the Alchemist, the Artificer, is the D&D class. Uh, background alignment? She's neutral good. And her background is she used to run a potion shop back in the old world with her uh, very cutthroat business partner, this um, Juan T woman named Amelia. And then they had sort of a business falling out and Amelia basically took all of her business know-how with her. And Gladys tried to run the potion shop a little longer after that, but she's not very good at being the she likes making potions. She's not good at selling them to people because she likes making them without having the incentive for profit, which is not very helpful when you can't do the profit part. Yeah, I've seen your character sheet. I believe you have 20 in intelligence. You're basically a genius. Yeah, she's a genius at what she likes to do. She doesn't like to do the business part. <laughs> <laughs> I I have an important question about your character. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned she's based off of a blue tongue skink. Yes. Does she have disproportionately tiny limbs as well? Maybe a little bit. As I've been trying to design her, I've been kind of thinking of like like the proportions and probably like she's kind of a bigger person. Like she's still small because she's a kobold, but she's like 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 a fat kobold, but like so she's probably got like littler arms and legs, probably. 
<laughs> okay, that's all I needed to know. Blue tongue, blue tongue stinks. Got the just the tiniest fucking legs around. It is, it is honestly depressing trying to watch them climb a set of stairs. <laughs> um, yeah, we actually haven't talked about kobolds this season yet. So for anyone unfamiliar, we should specify they are reptilian humanoid. Uh, kind of their canonical lore is that they usually like uh, respect or worship uh, or fear dragons. They have a kind of um, simp relationship with dragon kind um but that there are a number of reptilian uh kind of peoples in D D. uh Treyan, as we discussed is dragonborn which is the more traditionally like big strong uh you know heroic kind and kobold are usually like villainous and uh weak but you, you are you are not you know <laughs> adhering 100 percent to gary gygax's vision of these these little fellas i'd like kobolds they're small and they're cute I don't. I don't care if they're written to be evil. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so the last member thrud, uh, trudging through this snow is Throg. Uh, at a distance, uh, you would you would be uh, forgiven for mistaking this as the rare and only instance of a yellow dragonborn. Uh, but on closer inspection, he is a. Honestly, sort of ugly, dirty, tarnished, uh, golden dragonborn. Uh, he's kind of draped himself, probably in the skin of an animal he killed along the way up this mountain to keep himself warm. Uh, by his side is a... You, you could almost describe it as the uh, bulldog of a drake. Uh, it's got a short, thick, dense body. It's relatively small, but obviously very weighty and uh, physically muscled. Uh, that would be Gort, uh, Throg spelled backwards. Um, Throg is a Drake Warden Ranger. Uh, he's Besides his, uh, his uh, skinned cloak, he's sort of dressed himself in uh, various bones and sundries of, uh, of slain beasts. Uh, yeah, that's Throg. Uh, I'd say he at one point was probably lawful good, but as he's aged, he's quite old. Uh, he's drifted more towards neutral as well. We're kind of riding the line if you're looking at like a, a distribution chart. All right, that's Throg, the Dragonborn Ranger. Uh, background and uh, well, you already gave me the alignment. Yeah, uh, I'd I think Throg has sort of been sent on this this quest because he is he, he's a he, he's been living out on his own for a while. I think he at some point probably had a, a desk job after he got older and older and they didn't want him relegated to the front lines anymore until he eventually just kind of snapped and went off into the woods. Uh, he still strongly believes in a lot of dragonborn draconic morals of uh, the lawful good sort of things like fighting the good fight, uh, defeating the defeating the evil enemy, redeeming whenever possible, etc. Uh, but if you need someone who is expendable and can go to a different reality, there, there he is. <laughs> So you may be wondering, why are all these people uh, dragon adjacent? And there is a very simple explanation for that. In fact, it has been foreshadowed this season. Uh, the character of Laser basically keeps saying, we're fighting over Arabella, but what happens when the dragons get here? <laughs> uh, dragons in D&D are not just big lizards. They are uh, uber intelligent, uh, powerful wizards. Uh, they live longer than anybody. They are like so overwhelmingly powerful. Uh, that it is an existential threat to everyone. Uh, and this team, 
uh, who I have uh, labeled Dragon Quest in our Roll20, <laughs> uh, they are being sent as a scouting party essentially to check uh, if Arabella is safe for dragons. No one knows what mysteries the new world holds. Maybe the gods left, you know, like dragon traps or something. You don't want to send your biggest, uh, most uh, powerful red dragon up here uh, and then they step on a landmine <laughs> or something and then it's just like, oh, that was embarrassing. Uh, so you were being sent up with a simple mission. Uh, see if it's safe for dragons and uh, kind of scout the place and see when it, if it's okay for us to come up and take it over because, uh, you know, many dragons, even the good ones, believe it is their right to rule because they are the biggest and the strongest. Um, and if that sounds vaguely ominous, uh, welcome to the themes of the season. <laughs> vaguely ominous is the theme. <laughs> Got it. We're going to get through this portal and there's going to be just a really big cardboard box held up with uh, a stick with a single ruby in the center of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's what uh, the dragons are afraid of. It, it could be... Uh, it gets them every time. <laughs> we got to be careful. Though they might be ready for us up there and uh, we don't want it uh, to be caught by surprise. So just, just go up there and when you come back, just tell us where all the traps are so we know where not to go, okay? Uh, uh, okay, good. Good, good meeting. Break. Um, but yeah, so I don't think it's any secret that um, the Pants for Pets LLC, the party we've been following this season, uh, is morally gray. Um, <laughs> but this this party, everyone's uh, you know neutral good. Uh, so I th I wonder if we're going to get an interesting contrast here. Even though your mission sounds more villainous than theirs, they were just like, hey, just go do some research. That that's morally neutral. Uh, and that it did not go that way. So I'm curious to see if this breaks in a different direction. All right. Well, I guess the question is, how close are we to breaching the summit here with our... Well, I think that is that is where we join these characters as they, they reach mm -hmm. uh, the tip and the, it pokes up through the ground and you make the, f the final ascent. The goblins, uh, you know... Wave goodbye. Maybe they'll hold their hands for uh, a tip if you have any uh, spare gold. Uh, and then they're just like yelling in, in goblin as they as they go back down the mountain. Like basically, you know, good luck in goblinish. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Terrain will probably throw some coin their way. You know, it's just like just thinking. Well, wherever we're going, I'm not even sure if money's even good there or not. Well. I did not bring any money. I am hoping that money will not be an issue up there anymore. <laughs> I have been living in the woods for the past 15 years. I don't think money has really come into play in my life in quite some time. It's been very funny watching everyone's minds adjust to this because it, even, you know, 10 hours in, uh, the other party was like still trying to think of economics in traditional terms. And it's just fascinating how uh, uh, immersed and, uh, you know, brainwashed we all are to think of the world in those terms. Well, after tipping the uh, the guide, uh uh, so uh, what is the entrance in the world like? Is it just like a hole in the ceiling that you just sort of like drag yourself up through pretty much? Yeah, the, the tip of the mountain uh, is goes through the crust. You have to walk for a while in a strange liminal space, basically walking uh, up the, the final ascent that is through the crust. And it's a very strange atmosphere. There's like a neutral temperature. 
uh, that you, like all the I was gonna say all the hairs stand up on you, but all these you're all scaled. That doesn't that's nothing. <laughs> so I don't know what the equivalent of that is. Uh, it's a very we might have some like frills. I think gold dragons tend to have like catfish whiskers. Oh yeah, they do. That's fun. Your your little whiskers are uh, very freaked out by this sensation. Uh, but as soon as you break through into Arabella, you find yourself in a kind of prairie land. Um, it is the the flavor of the central settlement, which is unnamed even in the future. Um, the flavor is very like wild west. There's a, a tumbleweed goes uh, fall, rolling by. Uh, Trey and like pokes his head through first and just like. It uh, it it all looks pretty clear here. Uh, uh, come on out, you two. Weather looks pretty good. He just sort of hops on out, stretches, just does very little stretches and other motions while waiting for the other two to show up and assess the uh, environment around him. Yeah, uh, I th- I think Throg will just jump right down and get to work, essentially. He's going to try to scope out the area. You said this was like a prairie. Is it tall or short grass? Uh, probably pretty short. Uh, do you want to do the first uh, roll of this campaign, which is, I guess, a perception? I got a 19. Great. Yeah, you're a ranger. You have a kind of heightened uh, senses for these things. You scout around. You see uh, the the map of this area, which everyone should already be pretty familiar with, which is in in the the distance. You see a small settlement, uh, mostly tents at this point. This unnamed kind of wild west settlement of people uh, just trying to build small wooden buildings and kind of eke out uh, an existence here. Uh, to the east, uh, there is an ocean. You probably can just like make uh you know kind of a coastal uh vista out in that direction uh to the south uh you can't see what's going on uh, because what we know is that there's a mine there but it is not it's not obvious to the naked eye uh and to the west there is a jungle once again you can probably just see uh that the the ecosystem changes a little bit in that direction um, but to the north, there is a farm, but you cannot see that from here because of the central settlement. So th- this this map uh, is in our Dragon Quest Roll20, but it is, it is very bare bones. Sure. I think, because uh, like the, the world that we're coming from is a post-apocalypse, essentially, right? It's kind of fucked up all around. Yeah, for most people, there are pockets of uh, less, uh, you know, devastation and the universities that the main... Uh, party comes from are like the uh what is called like the points of light in fourth edition it's mm-hmm. like the 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 kind of places where people are living uh, recognizably metropolitan lives but surrounded by uh dangerous adventure stuff yeah i i think uh, throg sort of used this as uh, metallics have like a habit since they have the ability to transform into metallic dragons that is like transform into people, send the work from the shadows. I think Throg kind of kind of hates that. And after living in a post-apocalypse, he sees this as an opportunity to get back to brass tacks and sort of like get things back on track and help these younger non-draconic races essentially reestablish a life that isn't a fucking shit show. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's definitely been a motif is like people who uh, are very like, I yearn to return, but with V's, uh, specifically the the demons uh, that uh, Peter and, uh, you know, Mari have been uh, mm-hmm. 
fleshing out are very like conservative or regressive. Like we need to go back to the old ways where other people are like, no, we need to, to modernize everything like Vimble, who's like, we have to make uh, capitalism happen as soon as possible. <laughs> and I think to, to most of the, you know, our, our listeners and players, that's a kind of, both are pretty monstrous. So <laughs> don't, don't, don't feel the need to necessarily uh, agree with any of these viewpoints of the characters. Um, I, but I would like to say um, that, I don't know if Gladys has any particular opinions formed just yet, aside from hoping that the new world is a place where she can kind of, she kind of thinks of it as like a place where she can be creative without like the pressure to do it for like money money yeah and also kind of thinks of like if if it's a brand new world it could be a bit of like a creative sandbox because there's a bunch of shit that you don't know about it yet and and, and like that's exciting for someone who works in like alchemy and like puts things together like that yeah at the risk of just stating uh, the subtext uh explicitly that has been like the new ones dio and ray and so forth are very much like this is a chance to reinvent to explore to express uh that is kind of the thing they represent here which is an alternate view uh <laughs> that you know some of the more antagonistic characters are, are have been uninterested in that's that's the it's all these people with different ideas bumping into each other is is the the engine that drives this I would just also like to add that while we're talking about this, um, Gladys has uh, scuttled up from out of the um, tunnel from the old world. Uh, she's probably the very last one out of the group out, because and probably just like trying to catch up with them. Like, hey, come on, I'm small. I, I, don't, don't, you gotta wait for me, please. I'm just a little birthday boy. I'm just, it's my birthday. <laughs> just you wouldn't a little hit me. boy, and it's my birthday. <laughs> I, I think Gort will sort of get down, or not Gort, Throg will get down to eye level with Gladys and go, Remember, young kobold, the weak antelope gets eaten by the lion, and then pats her on the shoulder and starts walking towards the town. Where are the antelopes? <laughs> um. In case you're not familiar, uh, Gort the Drake, it maybe needs some explication. Drake means a lot of different things and a lot of different fantasy properties. Uh, for our purposes, drakes are uh, reptilian quadrupeds. Uh, They're, like you said, kind of like uh, dragon dogs. Is that fair? Yeah, I always kind of thought of them as like the sort of chimpanzee to a Homo erectus. <laughs> yeah, they're they're yeah they're kind of they're uh, related, but they're on a different level of sapience. Yeah, um, I think you said at a later level you get to to ride Gort. He he's not like a real Drake because it's going or at least by raw by five E's rules. He's like the uh, the the ideal spirit of a Drake, I guess. If he dies, I just make a new one after I take a nap. Um, yeah. They changed that about rangers because everyone is so mortified at the prospect of their their animal dying <laughs> that it was like really uh, hampering the ranger as a class. And so now, yeah, you can bring your animal back if you think about it hard enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so so yeah, he's a he's a, a small drake currently. Uh, but if we get one more level, he grows in size to medium, 
and uh, I think he can fly at that point. Actually, I think he can already fly. No, uh, eventually he can fly, but currently he's just a, a small bulldog, essentially, ready to maul the shit out of anyone. Rules is written uh, raw, as you said. I don't. We don't use that term very much, which probably tells you something about the show. Yeah. Uh, do do drakes have wings? In my mind's eye, they do not have wings, and they are. Uh, it depends. There's like basically any draconic creature in D and T kind of gets lumped into drake. There, there's all sorts of different variations. Um, some some of them don't have any wings. Some of them do. Some of them have wings and no no legs. It's all, all sorts of all sorts of stuff. In this case, I'm just using the picture of an ambush drake from 3.5 because it felt like the most appropriate. Okay, so you think maybe they have like little stubby vestigial wings, but when they grow sh- bigger and stronger, the wings will become more functional. Yeah, at the very least, with Gort, he's like, uh, he, let's, he prob- I probably just got him. He's young. He's growing. Maybe, I, maybe he's like the offspring of something I raised previously, and it died, and now he's this is the this is the replacement. Or it's just a little baby. <laughs> uh so you all start moving uh towards the central settlement um for the original team i was going to have a whole arc about them naming it like getting involved in local politics and being like trying to decide the name of the first uh settlement in the new world and then they just started antagonizing and killing people so they got run out of town before that happened uh which is just a funny thing about that party uh for your purposes you're here earlier so there, there's not as many buildings. There's mostly tents. Uh, you see dwarves. You see orcs. You see humans. Uh, they are, you know, carrying around supplies. Uh, some of them apparently are trying to, uh, like, uh, plan things out. You see someone with, like, a big map, and they're like, no, we need to put a thoroughfare here. Uh, we got to make stables. Just, you know, Wild West stuff. Uh, and as you walk into town, like, people definitely notice you, but no one says anything yet. You're all – you're – heavily armed especially throg <laughs> yeah uh i think first point of business if we're here to sort of scope things out is there anything that looks like a town hall or something like that because i figured that'd probably be the best place to start yes in, in the future as we i think learned in episode one there is a building like that uh but it is not currently built in your time there's like the foundation of what will be that building um, I think Juniper did a, a Mission Impossible kind of thing to peek in through the window after they were wanted. Uh, but for your purposes, you like walk down the main strip and you see people uh, like, you know, putting stakes down and like, here's where we're going to put the entrance. You know, I need I, does anybody know how to make glass for windows? Like it's a whole thing. They're they're building it. I, I think that's a really funny idea that they got here and went, shit. We gotta make windows. How the fuck do we make glass? Yeah, that's a whole thing. This is like a, you know, pseudo medieval level of technology. So glass blower was like a special artisan. It's like a family business. It's specialized knowledge. There's not enough people here to make glass yet. No one knows it. I I think Throggle sort of turned the party and say like, "I, I think it is best if we try to find who's in charge here and get the lay of the land. They seem to be setting up fine, but there's got to be, you know, wild, displaced predators encroaching on the territory. Sounds like a good idea. I'll I'll write that down in my little notebook. I love this because I haven't actually recorded Sophie finding this notebook yet, uh, but it's definitely the thing she found. And it's just, mwah, chef kiss. You love when these (laughs) things fall into place and you don't have to plan them. Oh, so like Trey and just sort of like, 
hears the proposal and just sort of shrugs with a little smile. like, uh, I guess that works well enough. I don't know what else we can do for the time being around here. Uh, is there like, you said there's like people set, putting out stakes and things like that. Where there are construction workers, there is a foreman. Uh, is there anyone maybe with a clipboard somewhere? Uh, probably. Uh, so you, you're the only one who's rolled, Throg. I, I'm interested if anybody else would like to roll to accomplish this task. I want to get everybody to have at least one roll. I, I want to look around, see if there's any, um, like, I, like if they're, ju- if they're still building this place right now, like, and I saw, like, we saw some dudes, like, holding up, like, a map and stuff. Maybe there's, like little like impromptu directory guides about like who goes where who who does what all right why don't we get an investigation from gladys your first roll 17 incredible uh you you figure this out pretty uh pretty quickly you have a, a genius mind here so you you survey things you're picking up on context clues uh what you figure out uh, especially after uh, uh, Throg said, uh, oh, there's got to be a foreman, is you realize that this is a non-hierarchical uh, settlement, uh, what uh, used to be called primitive, primitive communism. Uh, that a term has fallen out of favor to like, pre-Marxist, pre-Marxist communism um, is what they call it now. Basically, uh, before capitalism, people just kind of did things and helped each other, um, and it wasn't necessarily someone's job to uh, be disciplining you at all time and threatening you with state violence. Uh, so the, there isn't a foreman necessarily. Uh, and, you know, the, this maybe isn't the most efficient way to do this. I think there's a lot of people arguing like, no, we need to put this over here. And they're like, well, you're not the boss of me. I'm going to put it over here. Uh, and you, you pretty quickly figure out uh, there is not one leader. There's not one person that you can uh, talk to. Uh, but what what would you like to accomplish? Seventeen is a success. You can do what you want here. Okay. Oh no, we've been stunlocked by communism. <laughs> <laughs> I think Gladys is just jotting all this down in her notebook, and, and, and she's just like, "Oh, there's no one in charge." Hmm. I guess we can just kind of look around, see who maybe looks more confident in what they're doing than others. That's usually a good place to start, maybe. I'm curious about Gladys's relation to authority. Like I said, uh, kobolds are traditionally portrayed as being like reverent of dragons. Are you a dragon fangirl or are you just just vibing? Hmm. I think it's less like maybe like a dragon fangirl and maybe more like it feels safer to have like some kind of authority but like it it does hinder like the things that she likes to do which is what like got her in like this scouting party position instead of like trying to do things on her own she kind of considers throg and Trayan to be like the big beefy boys that like she's standing in the middle of while she takes notes I love that we have inexplicably walked backwards into the original concept where we have someone taking notes, which is all I wanted from the first party. <laughs> and <laughs> now we're here. No one's gotten naked. No one. No one's killed anyone yet. What a what a fresh breeze. All right. Well, Throg starts getting naked and he challenges <laughs> someone to a fight. Uh, oh no. Um, 
Yeah, I think I think it's a good idea to look for someone who's more uh, like more confident in what they're doing, or it's someone who looks like they've been here the longest. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, uh, using your uh, analytical skills, Gladys, uh, you find someone who's the most confident. You succeeded, and you find a cyclops. A, a large woman uh, who has a strange kind of uh, weapon on her hands. They are like uh, brass knuckles with strange tubes. From our perspective, we understand that they're gun barrels, uh, but uh, you don't understand of these pre-apocalypse technologies. Uh, but this is she has brass knuckles with the uh, barrels of a duckfoot pistol. Uh, on each hand she is large she's in charge she's confident uh you hear her barking at <laughs> various people like put that down <laughs> i ain't playing with you right now you hurt boy you heard me i'll shove my <laughs> like you know just <laughs> snapping at people <laughs> and you're like oh no that that lady's in charge <laughs> uh, the communism has been removed <laughs> now it's a matriarchy <laughs> <laughs> Okay, then then uh, Gladys will probably like um, signal the others to follow her and maybe like a little cautiously like go up to this like more confident looking like Cyclops and, and just maybe like try to say like like ask like hi hi are are you the one maybe in charge here of something that we could ask some questions about we just got here. Uh, the, the Cyclops doesn't even look down at you, uh, Gladys, you being much shorter than she is. Uh, she just says, might be, what's it to you? Well, we are, we are, we are, we are scouting and we would like to know more about, um, what is, does this place have a name? Are we, we, like, we, we, we just need to, uh, gather as much information as we can. Last time we tried to name it. A bunch of fellers got real heated and started stabbing each other. I'm here to make sure that doesn't happen, so no naming for the time being. I'm Red, by the way. Red. She writes down. Uh-huh. <laughs> you see, uh, true to her name, she is wearing a, a long uh, red uh, dress. So she has kind of a, a cool black jacket over it. She looks uh, pretty cool. She's wearing a cowboy hat. Uh, and she seems like she'd be a pretty tough fight if you got on the wrong side of her. Tran, Tran will will say, uh, "Nice to meet you, Red. Uh, name's Tran. Those those are pretty cool. What you got there?" As he points out the uh, like the 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 gun fist sort of thing that she has going on. Yep, a gift from Captain Young. You might have heard of them. Oh, the ca- you knew the captain? Oh yeah, they're famous. I I, I love I, I love hearing about their work. Oh, Gladys. By the way, I heard Trey and say his name. I'll say mine. <laughs> Everyone loves hearing about Captain Young. I was on the second expedition they had up here, so I kind of got seniority. And the people here, they give me food so I can keep others in line. You ain't got no problem. You won't find out what these do. She kind of taps the the weapons together, one on each knuckle. I, I think Throg will sort of glance an eye around at the settlement. It's clearly being set up. Um, he'll look at her and go, "This this settlement. This you, how you've been here for some time. Yes. How is it progressing? Are there any issues? I imagine you've displaced some natural wildlife." <laughs> 
you'd be surprised. Ain't much wildlife here. I uh, took a peek over yonder, and there's some some strange things in the the jungle to the west. I ain't have much truck with them. Come back here, it's nice and quiet. Things are progressing pretty slow, to be honest. Kind of crazy people or desperate people who come up here ain't got all the skills we need. You ain't gonna be a glass blower and also a a rugged outdoorsman necessarily if you catch my drift. St- strange things in the jungle. Strange how? <laughs> well, you know, uh, a cat, right? I am familiar. What if a cat had, like, long legs and it was taller than a tree and it ate you up? How's that sound? So sort of a giraffe cat. Oh, yeah. We call them mittens. Just the one, or they're all called mittens? Listen, you're going to have to get used to some stuff. (laughs) There's also these things called Brian. Not Brian's, just Brian. Collectively? And Brian is potentially an accountant, or what what is Brian? (laughs) Is the kind of bird plant that is full of acid. Do not put your hands inside of it. It a bird plant. <laughs> I know we invented the most horrible victory bell of all time. <laughs> I see. Uh, well then, uh, Th- Throg sort of strokes his chin whiskers and goes, "Interesting, very interesting." I also like diegetically that although we know, uh, you know, Mari and uh, Laura and Sam came up with these animals and their names that somehow when people look at them, they just know they just see one. They're like, that's a Brian. Uh, (laughs) There wasn't even a discussion in universe. Everyone just knew immediately. All right. Well, uh, I think Throg will sort of stretch his arms and go, well, what is needing to be done around here? Because you just building. Is there any? Any pressing concerns that you have? Well, guy, I don't know what kind of skills you got. You much of a a farmer or a miner? North and south could use your help. If if you want to stay here in the center, mostly need carpenters right now. I see a saw on your belt. Uh, I think Throggle th- uh, point a thumb at Gladys and go. She is alchemist. Very smart. Very smart. Small, can get into tight spaces. Very useful. Uh, he, and pointing a thumb at Trey, uh, Trey and, um, good dancer, great, <laughs> wonderful entertainer. I am Frontiersman. <laughs> oh, yeah, we need... <laughs> How do I say this? Uh, yeah, a lot of need for a dancer in these parts. Hey, you want to dance me up some crops, boy? I mean, if you want me to show my moves, I'm more than happy to do so, but, you know. What kind of alchemist, little lady? You got plant potions or metal potions? Someone tell me something about a some kind of purity test for metals? I don't know. Yeah, I got to talk to those folks. Let's see. I have... She's kind of, like, poking around at the little potions on her belt. A lot of poison... <laughs> because I wanted to make sure some nothing would eat me. I do know a couple healing spells, and I do know protection from poison. 
I'm, I'm, I have two ang- th- angles I'm thinking about what to do. One is for him to just pull out some thing of wood he pi- he picked up along the way and just start carving something out of it because he has proficiency with wood carver's tools and just carving up like a little figure out of it. Or uh, at the prompt about dancing, just engage in some of his moves, not without without attacking anyone, obviously. Um, I think between the two, given the charge and prompts from the other two, he will just engage in some uh, of those acrobatic-esque moves of his related to his style of fighting. All right. You want to roll performance? I can roll performance. That is a four for the performance there. <laughs> All right. How does this go wrong? Because it does go catastrophically wrong. Maybe he's wrong. still cold from the mountain. Maybe he needs to loosen up a little first. The easy answer is that he's trying not to hit somebody with his performance, and he ends up hitting somebody by accident. The question is, who does he hit? Vundaba. I love this. So uh, Red starts, you know, kind of t- taunting you about your dancing skills being unhelpful in the new world. And you start doing a little move and you step on the toes of uh, someone else walking by uh, and they turn, they take offense, they shove you uh, and you you turn and look and you see uh, that there are three uh, celestials uh, and uh, two angels and a Asimar which is a someone with an angel heritage. So the two of them have like full-on wings, and one of them is just a kind of angelish person. Um, and they, they seem extremely miffed by you stepping on them. And uh, mm. the one says, uh, what do you think you're doing? Uh, 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 Tran responds reflexively, um, in Celestial, since Celestial is a language that Trayan actually knows, he knows three languages, and one of them actually happens to be Celestial. Um, he just responds by saying, uh, uh, my, my bad, I was just trying to demonstrate something. I wasn't paying attention to where I was. Uh, you see that the, each of these uh, Celestials has, uh, you know, weapons and they have equipment. They, they, uh, you intuit. I could make you roll insight for this, but I think it's obvious that they are here for similar reasons. Which is, uh, is this place safe for angels? Should we come up here and start asserting authority as very powerful uh, creatures in in this world? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, they each kind of their hands go to their weapons uh, in in an almost like wild west way of uh, you know testing out people here. It's like oh you gonna you gonna quick draw you gonna start something and you see red kind of uh, tense up and her her hands get ready to do something. She's like you know tensing and ready. Uh, hold on, hold on. We don't we don't need to start a fight or anything here. You know, there's no need for that. We don't mean any harm. We're just here to take notes. Is there uh, something I can do to make up for my uh, transgression? If you are here for the reason I think you are, what you can do for me is go back home. Hmm. Fortunately, uh, if I were to go back home now, I probably wouldn't have much of a home to go back to to get my drift. Uh, are they still keeping their hands on their weapons? They, their hands are like tastefully near them, like a, if you're about to do a quick draw contest. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Throg will sort of cross his arms and go, 
Come now. And he'll respond to this in Celestial because he, for some reason, knows six languages. Um, uh, he crosses arms and goes, come, come now. You're really going to try to pick fight over a simple mistake? You are an angel, the being of the heavens. Isn't this beneath you? The heavens are gone. And yet, so you change your habits now? Isn't now the time to reaffirm them? Throg the philosopher, huh? <laughs> um, this this is a good question. Um, I think the angels look at each other and look at you, and you're you're covered in uh, like animal furs, and you have a thousand weapons, um, and you're asking them about their their celestial philosophy. Uh, why don't you roll persuasion? Uh oh. <laughs> mm, mm, uh, mm. persuasion. Where is that? I got a minus one here. Let's see how this goes. I got a two. Uh huh. Uh, the the lead angel who has been taking uh, the the point in this conversation so far just says uh, with a two, my word, that is poor. Uh, it says, "Who are you to lecture us, you craven species who hoards wealth? Is that what you're here for?" <laughs> I. I I think Throg will laugh and sort of like throw out his arms and almost like a T-pose essentially be like, do I look like I carry wealth, friend? <laughs> I like that you T-pose to establish dominance. <laughs> um, but you failed the persuasion. So they like step forward. They're doing that high school bully thing where they're getting like in your personal space. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how tall is he? I, I think I view Throg as being like 6'5". Yeah, I mean, the, they're uh, probably... Uh, about that, maybe uh, okay. with, the, with the wings more. So yeah, they're they're not uh, physically intimidated by you, uh, and it seems like it's about to pop off. And Red says, "Hey, take that outside. We have a way of handling things around here. We're not just gonna start slinging blades in the street. The folks trying to make a living. If you want to prove something, call a home gang. What is this? Some kind of duel?" Exactly, Buttercup. I see. Friend, I have no intention of fighting you. It was a simple mistake on my compatriot's part. You clearly have your own goals here. We have ours. I have no intention of harming you nor impeding your work. I suggest you follow the same courtesy. The angel says, If you decline to defend your honor in combat, then you must surrender your ambitions. <sighs> Fine. How will this work? Will I be dueling you? Will he? What What happens here? Is this a three-on-three, a one-on-one? Uh, <laughs> I think at this point, uh, Red starts uh, marching you all out of the settlement so you don't cause a huge spectacle, uh, just like mm-hmm. pushing you all and lining you up. And uh, roll initiative. Uh, this, unlike Pants for Pets, who just started slaughtering people, uh, this is a much more orderly kind of ritualized duel here in, in the Dusty Prairie. Okay. Okay. Uh, Trayon rolls initiative and rolls a 23. Ah, uh, the stubby legs. She can't keep up. <laughs> All right. Uh, so three uh, dragon f- uh, folk and three celestials line up. Uh, it's it's high noon. Uh, you know, red red tips her hat to to block out the sun. 
Uh, a thing I haven't uh, reiterated here is that this in the sky you see the stars, the moon, uh, the the celestial bodies, the nebulae, and so forth. They are uncomfortably close. Uh, it is a very uh, uncanny uh, sky here in Arabella. Uh, the audience is already well familiar, but I should reiterate that for you, is that <laughs> this is a very strange uh, kind of Western showdown here where it looks like uh, at any moment you could reach up and smack the sun. Um, ah, like that episode of Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Exactly. I would say the primary uh, source for this campaign, <laughs> Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Um, wow, that's actually not that's not that far off. The sociopathy, <laughs> the schemes, uh, the constant cell phones. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I take it that of the three, uh, Celestial Strand is sort of squaring up uh, in front of the one that he stepped on. Uh, Absolutely. Earlier on. This is an angel with a, just a huge uh, flaming broadsword. What do you do? You're up first. Uh, well, Trayan has shrugged off like the backpack he has on and, and sets out along with his duffel bag, steps forward with no equipment in hand. He sort of just stares down the, uh, the celestial, just sort of says, okay, I guess we're doing this. He takes a moment to breathe and then he, to the untrained eye, just appears to begin dancing. Uh, because the specific characterization of Terrain's martial arts is heavily influenced slash derived from, among other things, capoeira, um, which is a Brazilian martial arts with a very fascinating history that in its original formation was basically designed or developed to be able to be hidden as a form of dance uh, to prevent people from noticing that people were practicing martial arts. And Trayan in Dice Funk uh, was trained by a collective uh, known as the Bozog, a uh, bird-like race that was invented for this podcast, who are very kick-focused. And so the merging of his interest in dance and a kick-focused sort of group led to this capoeira thing. And he will demonstrate that in rapid order by getting this sort of dance motion, moving in close to Celestial, and then doing a maneuver where he plants a hand on the ground and swings his leg out around to try to plant a strong kick against the Celestial um, to use his Draconic Strike. But that would be a 27. Holy Lord, that is wow. a quarter circle square and Tekken 3, Eddie Gordo <laughs> technique I know very well. Mm -hmm. I just start juggling him. <laughs> but that is uh, six damage, and I'm just going to immediately invoke a uh, stunning strike. Uh, so now the Celestial has to do a constitution saving throw to prevent from being stunned from that attack. Uh, that's going to be... <laughs> Six. So the DC was, yeah, the DC is a 16. That's a six. So the target of Trey's thing is now stunned until um, uh, the end of my next turn. So now every other attack that Trey has has advantage for the rest of this round. So second attack, uh, that is a 16. That's going to hit. Uh, that will be nine damage being a ascended dragon monk all of trey and strikes can actually have different damage types all of these are lightning damage types so there's fl like flashes of lightning as each uh strike lands 
Um, after those first two kicks, he continues his momentum by planting and proceeding with his flurry of blows as a bonus action. Next attack is a 21. Holy shit, this is Evo. Which hits uh, for another six lightning damage. And the last attack is an 18, which will hit for another six damage. So in that first bout, uh, Tran uh, throws out 18, 27 damage. Uh, all lightning against a celestial as his moves make it difficult to land a strike in return and he just sort of effortlessly shifts between these different strikes on the celestial to open up the fight all right so for those are fam- who are not familiar with your uh monk uh subclass mm-hmm. basically you take different stances to summon different elements pretty much yeah so right now you you are crackling with lightning, also very Tekken, and you just start beating this angel's ass. Uh, this is not a fight to the death. This is like a ritualized uh, problem solving. This is essentially uh, Old Norse court <laughs> where you're trying to pr- prove something by being stronger. Right. Uh, so now well, it is now our gold dragonborn's turn. Uh, who do you who do you uh, attempt to engage? There's another angel, and then there's that Asimar who doesn't have wings, essentially. Uh, probably whoever the leader that was was the leader, of the person that got his toes stepped on. Yeah, that person's currently being uh, counter. Who's who's being wall comboed? <laughs> okay, then yeah, uh, then in that case, I'm going to uh, my my Drake will uh, th- uh, Gort will just be sort of sitting to the side for the moment. I think. Um, and yeah, he'll square up probably with the, um, the other, uh, uh, the other angel and he's going to try to, to just stab him twice with the spear. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing fancy about this. He's just sort of going for it. All right. This angel has two short swords made of light. The other one had a, a huge broadsword uh, that was on fire. Uh, so this one is a little bit different, uh, fighting style. So this is interesting. You're going in with the spear. Yeah, uh, so I'll take my first shot at him. Uh, and that's an eight, unfortunately. Yeah, parried. This this person is uh, pretty dexterous, uh, just turns your blade aside. 27. That's a, oh, that's almost a crit. Yeah, wow. No, it is a crit. That is a crit, actually. Ooh. Oh, boy. I'll now roll damage. Uh, oh, there's a lot of bu- words here. Uh, <laughs> This is this is one-handed, so that's nine plus oh, a total one-handed damage. To, okay, uh, nine plus six, that's uh, fifteen, and I will activate my favored foe ability on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I don't know if this triggers then on subsequent attacks, or it also includes this one. Favored foe, uh, first level feature, places favored enemy. You gain no benefit from the placed feature uh, when you hit a creature with an attack roll. You can call on your mystical bond with nature to mark your target as your favored enemy for one minute or until you lose your concentration, as if you were concentrating on a spell. Uh, first time on each of your turns that you hit the favored enemy and deal damage to it, when you mark it, you increase that damage by 1d4. Uh, so, Austin, should I roll this now or just the next time I hit this character? It, it says including when you mark it, so you actually get to add the bonus damage, and it's 1d6 bonus damage since you're 6th level. Yes, and does this get multiplied by a critical? No, I guess this would be subsequent. Yes, it would. Okay. Uh, so, so that would be what, 2d6 then? Mm-hmm. Roll 2d6. Uh, five more damage. 
Okay, so what's the flavor on this? You lunge forward with your spear. Uh, this angel has two long swords, uh, seems to parry uh, effortlessly with one sword, and is like going to stab you with the other. And what? how do you like d- uh, turn this to, into a crit? Uh, so I think... Um uh Th- throg has a shield and probably the the angel's lunging towards him and i just sort of bash his arms out of the way and as he's stumbling back i just jab right into his chest sick all right so uh i think he underestimated you in fact uh and now we are to the asimar who uh does not have an obvious weapon uh, but begins making somatic gestures revealing themselves to be a wizard uh and they are going to uh shoot a, a gout of flame at Gladys, uh, here we go. 18. Yeah, I have um, absorb elements. I can capture some incoming energy, lessening the effects on it and storing it for your next melee attack if it's acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder damage. All right. So basically you take half damage. Uh, so I rolled 13, so instead of you only take 6, uh, this person does a, a, some gestures, some sigils appear in the air, and then they thrust their hands towards you and just a, a, a you know, launch of fire, a Kamehameha blast in your direction. What is the absorb elements uh, flavor? Fire, fire extinguisher <laughs> flask? <laughs> I think the absorb elements flavor is probably she's going to uh, pull out one of her uh, little... Uh, bottles that she has and just probably like just flash splash it at the fire like and and i guess it could kind of look like um like some kind of fire extinguisher i imagine these are all like little bottles but like once they're opened like the effect like kind of blasts out of them like, like they've been compacted in there if I may make a suggestion, uh, mm-hmm. back in, I think, like the 1920s, around that time period, they actually did use, like, fire extinguisher grenades for fires <laughs> uh, that they would just huck into active fires and they would pop and they would... St- I don't know the exact mechanics of it, but I know it was a thing. Yeah. I think you have, if you have a bunch of flasks uh, that have different... Um you know, dampening effects for different elements, and th- you just have a fire one you can toss in there. And if it's like almost like pressurized, it like pops and explodes this retardant that uh, r- really reduces the potency of the fire. Um, so the angel Trayan is fighting is stunned. So that the person is just stun locked and <laughs> is not really doing much. I'm going to try to see the other angel attack uh, our, our golden dragon war friend. That's a 24. Yep, that'll hit. Uh, you take 11 damage. Okay. Um, so how much damage did you do? I think what, what I want to do is compare these totals. Uh, I did 15, I think. Oh, wait, no, I did 9 plus 6, so that's 15 plus 5, 20. Okay, so you did more damage. Basically, uh, they they parry your your thrust. Uh, they go to stab you. You deflect with the shield and stab them in the chest. And then they like slash you to back you off so that you don't. <laughs> so the blade isn't still in their chest. But they did not hurt you as bad as you hurt them. Uh, and now we are at Gladys's turn. Gladys, can you do more than the six damage that was inflicted on you? All right, with my turn, I'm going to use the second part of absorb elements to add fire damage onto my crossbow attack. So I'm going to roll to hit. On D&D Beyond, that's 14. Does that hit? That does not hit. Dang. So I guess what happens is 
Gladys like pulls her crossbow out and it lights on fire, but then it does not hit. Yeah. So if your your flask like captured some fire and the stuff, you can like dip your crossbow bolts in like whatever that resulting uh, concoction is and it, to light it up. But when you shoot it, the uh, the ASMR just summons some more fire as a, as like a shield and burns up the the bolt in mid flight. Um, and everyone's like standing around huffing and puffing. Uh, and Red says, I think I've seen enough. It looks like a two to one here in the duels. You all want to take this to the blood or you want to call it a day? I do not think that is necessary. I've been able to show off my moves. I don't need to do any more than that. Gladys probably uh, says something along the lines of, if this settles everything, I think I'm fine with calling it here. Uh, Throg will offer uh, a hand in, not French, like a handshake to the the angel across from him. Um, the angel looks at your hand that you offer, uh, and after a moment, uh, I guess uh, you know, very loosely, casually shakes it as just to give, as to get the interaction over. Um, and they they kind of grumble and say, "Fine, we will leave." And to the north, we must look in another area. You can have this, dragons. Sooner or later, our people will have to learn to coexist up here. Yeah, uh, I think Tark sort of mirrors that side of it and says, I, I think you are, by delaying the inevitable, you are just making this more difficult for everyone. Why not work together at this point? We have our mission and you have yours. Are you authorized to strike any deals and truces with angel kind? Uh, I guess Throg sort of might be coming at this with like a bit of an old school personality of angels are meant to be good. He's actually a little bit frustrated that these angelic beings immediately defaulted to violence at the first provocation. Um, oh man, I have a fun book to tell you about. It's called the Bible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, look, look uh, when D&D has an objective good plane, there's the things get a little bit more complicated. Yeah, mm. in, in season six, uh, that was removed. Uh, someone blew it up. It's a whole thing. Yeah, he'll just sort of shrug and go, "We ha- this is a new world. If you want to repeat the same mistakes of the past, I cannot stop you. But I think a unified front to make this a sustainable, livable world is best. If you do not believe that is the case, then we will take our leave of you. There may come a time when our leaders parlay, but as for the terms of our duel, you do not need to give up your claims here. However, it is honorable for us to surrender some equipment to you. Um, Right now... Uh, Throg, I think you're the person I uh, most uh, weapon oriented. Uh, what do you What do you think? Do you do Would you like a, a kind of angelic enchantment on your spear? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it's just a regular spear. If they're wanting to do that, and it, Throg, Throg, while he is a bit of a non-standard dragonborn, he's going to respect someone trying to do something honorably, and he's not going to tell him no. Um, see. So, yeah, if they're offering to enchant his spear, he'll let him do it. Yeah, uh, your spear becomes a plus one weapon. 
um, as as they transfer kind of the golden flame of uh, his his sword to your weapon. Um, because the the terms of the the home gang were like, if we beat you, you gotta leave. Uh, you didn't demand anything specifically from them, but you mm-hmm. you, you asserted your right to be here, and uh, in order to not lose face, to to lose you know standing and respect according to the ideals of home gang, you you are rewarded with this. Tran will take a moment to regard the uh, the angel that he was face down. Just say. Not sure about this whole home gang thing, but, you know, if you ever want to spar again, if we have the cross paths, I'm always down for that. (laughs) The angel's like, honestly, dude, you whipped my shit inside out. (laughs) Speaking as an angel, to quote the good book, ow, my balls. (laughs) I just got the first jump on you, man. That's all. It happens. (laughs) you really you really fucked that dude up yeah the the angels descended down in the bible they said be not afraid and then they got kicked in the balls because they were afraid (laughs) oh geez well listen like it's that first attack doing the stunning strike just it it ruined his day it was like he's he's fucked from the first go but train just sort of just still smiles like he doesn't even like give all like a cocky vibe he's just sort of like treats it like playing around a bit so um, so as everyone like uh, you know collects themselves, patches themselves up, uh, two of you took damage and you can roll hit dice to recover your health. Uh, Red kind of walks over and says, "All right, well, that could have gone worse. Uh, they're gonna go one way and you're gonna go the other. Uh, to the south, there's a mine. There's some people trying to see if there's any useful materials, but uh, n- none of us are metallurgists, I believe is the term." Maybe your uh, alchemy could be useful there, and you could uh, check it out. You want an escort, or y'all fine? Uh, Trayn will just think for a moment, just like, I don't know. I mean, you obviously know the way, lay of the land a little bit better than us. If you don't mind walking over to the mines a bit, I think the company would be nice. It, 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 I, I would agree with Trayn, yeah. You all got uh, mounts or nothing? You're just walking on your bare feet? Like, train does like a little, like, little, like, like, one of those things where you're like bouncing back and forth between your feet, like you're getting ready to like warm up your legs for a sprint. And he's just like, I'm pretty quick in my feet, but you know. Now, now here's a question Do, d- does Gladys wear shoes? Because I feel like Throg and Trayan don't. I, I think Gladys, I, I'm not. I, I'm not decided on if Gladys wears shoes or not because I always imagine Kobold having those little, like, lizard feet that, like, don't fit into shoes, but I also like the idea of wearing little boots. <laughs> now, now I'm seeing something horrible on this on this. No, it's a friend. It's a friend. I know. We, we got a friend. We I have a friend being that. added to the page here. It's a friend. Oh, no, don't worry. It's a friend. It's a friend. I don't... Where do you sit on this? It's warm like a lover and soft like a friend. Uh, <laughs> Red asks. Don't worry about it. Red asks because uh, she whistles for her mount. Uh, and what comes is a Zorplak, uh, which is the equivalent of horses in this here Wild West. Uh, it is a creature with uh, eight legs, uh, much like a big spider. Uh, it has a very large uh, thorax, I guess is what you call it, in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has no head, and it says it has a kind of whole t- tentacles coming out of it. If you're familiar with the centaur 
from Fallout, uh, similar to that. The most uh, disturbing feature is that all over it has uh, human skin, uh, which is very upsetting <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, and she just is it. Is it meant to have human hands on the end of each leg? Absolutely. Yes, that is that is ah. mandatory. Yeah. Okay, this world is not safe for dragons. Let's go back. <laughs> There's too much human skin up here. We can't, we can't cope with it. Whatever the fuck this was, it was not meant for us. I think I'll take my chances in the post-apocalypse. The gods have abandoned us. <laughs>